going to be drawing just a few thoughts uh, from one of the Psalms, uh, Psalm 73. Psalm written by this worship leader by the name of Asaph, uh, who David appointed uh, when he was king. Uh, David assembled uh, a worship uh, team that uh, involved uh, dozens and dozens of people, you know, Levites and all kinds of people. And it says in Chronicles that Asaph uh, was the chief uh, worship leader uh, of uh, all of them. And so we're talking about uh, uh, the most significant worship leader in the nation uh, at the time that uh, David wrote. This guy was is responsible for uh, twelve psalms uh, that uh, that are a part of our Bible. Uh, he's uh, mentioned as a prophet uh, in in Chronicles, and so we really have to kind of pay pay close attention to what he's saying, because uh, not not only of course is it the word of God, but these are words that are coming from a seasoned uh, man of God uh, who's uh, you know, setting down some principles that are very, very important. And so uh, with that background, uh, we uh, want to look uh, at the uh, first couple of verses because it kind of sets the psalm up. Uh, and Asaph begins uh, with this statement. Truly God uh, is good in Israel to those who hearts, whose hearts are pure. But as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping, and I was almost gone. Uh, so many translations... Uh, uh, you know, say it uh, in different ways. Uh, one translation says, God is only good to Israel. Uh, but the uh, essence is, you know, God is good. The main theme of the psalm, God is good. We even have uh, a little call and response that usually we say, I say, God is good, and you say, and I say uh, all the time, God is good. And it's interesting that we say it in connection with that phrase. But if we say God is holy, well, you can say that, but that's the first time it's been said. <laughs> uh, you can say God is love uh, all the time, but uh, uh, we don't. But when we make this statement, you know, God is good. And then we want to say, yeah, yes, all the time, God is good. And I've thought about that. Uh, why why do we want to emphasize that particular uh, uh, thought, underlining that with a, with a call and a response? And I think that the reality is that we do it because uh, sometimes when we say God is good, uh, we're saying it with uh, absolute certainty. Uh, sometimes we're saying it in faith, and sometimes we're saying it in hope. You know, we look at our circumstances, 
and and we we look at the word of god and and we're making the statement but it's uh it's not backed up with that certainty and so it's almost like a uh, a declaration of hope that he, he's good because Asaph uh, is having a great struggle here and uh, the struggle is related to this aspect of his goodness. Uh, you wouldn't think that in the next verse after he's talked about the goodness of God, all, you know, God is only good to Israel. But as for me, I almost lost my footing. Now, why would you stumble over the goodness of God? Have you ever uh, talked to anybody that says, you know, you know, God has just been so good to me. Yeah, if, if he does one more kind thing for me, I'm walking away. Yeah, if, he, if, if he blesses me you know, one more time, I'm done with this. You know, he, he's, just been, he's just been too good. Too gracious. Uh, I've never heard anybody say anything like that. Uh, you know, but here uh, he makes this statement, you know, God is good all the time. And then the next statement out of his mouth is, you know what? Uh, I almost stumbled and I almost fell and tripped over this truth. Well, he gives us a uh, more detail in the next verse, he said, uh, I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. They seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are healthy and strong, and they don't have troubles like other people. They don't have troubles like other people. And it's not just the fact that uh, God seems to be good uh, to people who aren't good themselves. Uh, but then he says further on in verse 13, he said, Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? Because I've got nothing but trouble all day long, and every morning brings me pain. And so he makes this statement, you know, God is good, and he's trying to reconcile these classic statements that we make. You know, how is it that uh, good things are happening to evil people? Uh, and how is it that evil or bad things are happening to good people. And he looks at the tension between those two, and uh, his own faith uh, begins to stumble. Uh, he's making that statement, you know, you know, God is good only to his people. That's all he's capable of being. But how do I reconcile these two things? He talks about, how serious this, this issue was for him. Uh, you look at, at verse 21. He said, I realized that my heart was bitter and I was all torn up inside. I was like a senseless animal 
Have you ever been uh, in a situation where uh, you've looked at the circumstances of your life uh, and you've actually had to struggle with bitterness? Uh, comparing your life with uh, maybe someone who isn't even uh, following the Lord and they seem to be blessed with all kinds of good things, positive things, and I look at my life and I say, I've got nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. It's a great tension. And so the psalmist is expressing his own heart and the struggle that he had with it. But he opens up the key to us. And the key is down... Uh, about verse 6, 15, uh, and 16, and finally comes in 17 to this statement. Finally, when I tried to understand why the wicked prosper, what a difficult task it is. And then I went into your sanctuary, O God. I went into your sanctuary, and I finally understood. There was a show that I used to watch with my uh, uh, younger grandchildren, my older grandchildren. When they were little, it was uh, all about the veggie tales. But uh, with my younger grandchildren, it was all about this little series called Dora the Explorer. And Dora was a little Latino girl, probably uh, seven years old, something like that. And uh, the two main characters that are with Dora are her purple backpack, which talks, uh, and then uh, a, a little monkey called Boots. Uh, and he's called Boots because he has his favorite pair of boots that he wears. So Adora is always uh, involved in some kind of exploration and quest. And eventually she gets lost. And when she gets lost, she looks at her purple backpack that actually talks and says, map. And then she looks at the screen and she says, you say it too. You know? So I'm sitting there with my grandchildren looking at the televisions, saying map. And then Dora in the series says, you've got to say it louder. You know, and so map, you know, we're saying it louder. Pretty soon we're screaming, you know, in the living room. And then finally, uh, when you say it loud enough, you know, the, you know, the backpack opens up and the map comes and then she's able to complete her quest and find out the direction that she needs to go. Well, that's really what happens here to, uh, to Asaph. He went into the sanctuary. And so, in a sense, I really see this, this message as a, uh, a prayer postscript, you know, or a postscript to the week of prayer. Because it's in the sanctuary, the place of worship, the place of prayer, that he finds this map. And if we look at this psalm, uh, I think that he uh, highlights three things. Uh, 
that help us to reconcile uh, what we see with our eyes that can pose the question, is God really good to his people all the time? And of course, the answer to that is absolutely, yes, he is. And Asaph gives us some perspectives as to why that, that, that is true. And the first uh, is just simply that. I, uh, I said I don't have any notes. Actually, I do have notes. I wrote th- three words in my Bible here. And the first was the word perspective. Because when he came into the presence of God, he says, I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Uh, I see that they're on a slippery path. I see them sliding over the cliff to destruction. And he begins to talk about the, uh, the reality of what's going to happen down the road. He begins to talk about this thing called time. And just uh, as what we're seeing happen in the lives of maybe some people who aren't walking with the Lord, and yet good things are happening to them, uh, that's not the final conclusion necessarily. And we look at people who are loving the Lord with all of their heart, and certain things have happened. And we have to begin to remember uh, that uh, you know, God, uh, the, the subtitle of the book that I use for marriage and family, uh, that principle by uh, Gary Thomas can be applied in so many ways. Uh, the book is called Sacred Marriage, and the subtitle is God, Why Marriage is Designed uh, you know, to, uh, you know, to make us pure, not to make us happy, to make us holy and not to make us happy. In other words, God is more concerned about my holiness than he is my happiness. And uh, yeah, I begin with the assumption that if he's, if he's truly good, what he's really concerned about is my happiness but Asaph's perspective is, no, if uh, God is really being good, he's concerned about my holiness. And so the thing that seems to be a negative thing right now is actually producing his holiness in my life. And that in itself makes it a good thing. He's good to his people all the time. So it's a matter of perspective, and it's a matter of time. The second word that I, I saw in the map that Asaph would have discovered is the word power. Because he said, uh, even when I was bitter, you, know, you think that, uh, well, if, if I'm going to be bitter and torn up inside and angry and shaking my fist at God, uh, he, he's going to walk away from me. He's not going to stick with me with that kind of attitude. And yet here Asaph says, uh, I must have seemed like a senseless animal, but I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. Isn't that a beautiful thought? I, I can see, you know, holding my right hand when I'm loving him, when I'm adoring him, when my mind is all lined up with his program and 
uh, the destiny that he has for me at this particular moment, headed, headed towards my ultimate destiny. Uh, and, you know, I'm, 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 I'm loving him, I'm worshiping him. But when I'm angry with him, if I'm shaking my fist in his face, if uh, somehow I'm questioning his goodness, and yet uh, Asaph says, even at that moment, uh, I belong to you. I belong to you, and you hold my right hand. All I can think of is the, the image of uh, being with my daughters when they were little. And if we were in, tra- in a traffic situation in the city and we're crossing the street, uh, I didn't hold the hand of every child, but uh, I held the hands of my own children. You know, I, I, I had them by the right hand uh, because I was not going to see them hurt. I was not going to see them injured. And so Asaph is saying, even in the midst sometimes of our rebellion and bitterness, we must recognize the right hand of God is still holding us. We belong to him. He's not, he's not letting us go. As a matter of fact, in that uh, holding on, he guides me uh, with his counsel, uh, leading me to a glorious destiny. Whom have I in heaven but you. Uh, so Asaph again puts the perspective uh, in his own situation uh, that even in this difficulty where uh, my, uh, my tr- trouble all day long has brought pain and I, you know, I'm crying in the morning when I get up, even in the midst of that situation, you've got a glorious destiny that you're taking me towards. Uh, and I trust that. And I trust your right hand in mine, and I trust your counsel. I trust your leadership. Uh, but then the third word, and this is the word that uh, means so much, is the word presence. And uh, somehow is a, a word that I just feel like a. a God wants to make it a special word on this campus this semester. His presence being here in a special way. Because Asaph says, Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. I paused when I read that and I said, uh, I know there's times, Lord, when I have been able to say that. I think that there's a, I'm in a season of my life now where I'm saying that. But I know that there's seasons of my life where I haven't felt that. It's such a profound statement. I desire you more than anything on earth. And that really is... uh, a prayer postscript uh, from my heart uh, to your heart and for this campus uh, in these next 16 weeks, uh, that we would come to the place where we would desire his presence so much uh, that this would begin to actually mark uh, Elam in a new way. Uh, Whom have we in heaven 
but you, we desire you, Lord, more than anything on this earth. And I say that as one who's had uh, a wife that I adored, children and grandchildren that I adore, uh, students that I adore. I have a life that has been full, you know, of love relationships with people that I deeply care about, uh, and uh, people that uh, you know I would give my life for. Uh, but I want to come to the place where I'm living day by day, with that sense of His presence, being, I desire You more than anything on this earth. Any boyfriend, any girlfriend, any husband, any wife, any child, I guess this is what Jesus is after when he talks about following him in radical discipleship. When he says you've got to come to the place where uh, he means more you know, than husband, wife, children, family, uh, right on down the line, nothing is more important in relationship with him. And when we really come into that understanding, then we begin to see, you know, God is good all the time to his people. Uh, God is uh, working something that's deeper. Also, there's an aspect, and uh, I'm always thinking in the context of marriage because I'm uh, teaching the class and uh, because of uh, my own marriage, uh, you know, for so, you know, over half a century. And uh, there was a word that was in the old English vows. This goes back to the 16th century. Uh, I love some of the, uh, the old vows. Uh, they have, have such significance. And uh, one of the words that was used in the 16th century is uh, the person became wedded, W-E-D-D-E, wedded. And we use that term now uh, in the context that the person is married. Uh, This person is is wedded, that is, they're married as opposed to single. Uh, But in the 16th century, wedded uh, had a much deeper significance than the fact that you were married. Uh, the actual meaning of the word is obstinately committed and devoted to another person. Obstinately committed and devoted to another person. Uh, and you begin to apply that to the marriage relationship, and you begin to understand like in uh, 1980, when my wife was, uh, or not uh, 1980, but uh, the last uh, eight years of my of her life, uh, as I watched her die of Alzheimer's, uh, why was I going to be there? Well, because I promised that I would, because I understood covenant, but I was obstinately committed and devoted to that woman. 
You know, there was nothing that was uh, ever going to happen in our relationship that was going to make me turn away from her, walk away from her, turn her in for another model. Uh, she was my girl for life. And Asaph uh, is talking about that kind of commitment with Jesus, that kind of commitment with the Lord. Uh, sometimes the goodness is obvious. I, yeah, I, I know you're good. This is such an incredible blessing. How could it, you know, how could you not be good? It's such a good, such a blessing. Other times I look and I say, uh, I, I'm not sure that I see the goodness in this, but I am obstinately committed to you, Lord Jesus. I'm obstinately devoted to you. And I don't care what happens. You know, I'm not walking away from you. I'm not turning my heart away from you. I'm not yanking my hand out of your, uh, you know, my right hand out of, out of yours. Yeah, Lord, who have I in heaven but you? And he continues on. Uh, he said, my health may fail. And my spirit may grow weak. It's like he's talking about me in my old age. Uh, my health may fail. I'm in my 70s now. My spirit may grow weak. Uh, I don't have the strength that I used to have. I'm not bouncing around giving this message, you know, and jumping up on the chairs and doing half the stuff that I used to do when I spoke. Uh, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. He is mine forever. As for me, how good it is to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter, and I will tell everyone about the wonderful things you do. Isn't it an amazing conclusion? He begins by saying, how good God is, you know, to Israel. But he concludes with how good it is for me to be with you. Even when things haven't worked out the way that I would have chosen. Uh, even though uh, I've had trouble all day long. And every morning brings me pain. It's so good, Lord, to be near you. Uh, you've got me by the right hand. You're working it out, and I can trust you. So the map gives us perspective. It gives us power. Uh, but the word uh, that is so important to me that came as I read this psalm over afresh was the word presence. The word presence. So I would just like to take a moment and open your hearts with me as I close in prayer. And think about your life. The way it's going right now. 
some of you to be very happy with the way your life is going right now. But some of you are hurting. Some of you are ecstatic because you come into new relationships, some of you even marriage. Others have lost relationship. God is good. And it is good to be near him. And he's working in our hearts. There's circumstances in my life that I would have never chosen. If I could choose, I would have my wife by my side right now as I pray. I'd have my oldest daughter. I'd have her number on my cell so I could just punch it in anytime I wanted to and call her. Certain things have been taken from me. But I come back and I say, I desire you more than anything on this earth. And in the end, you are working all things together for good in my life. Our perspective is so limited because of time. We somehow think that these 70 or 80 years are, for some of us, will be even less that that uh, is is really the most important period. And in some ways it is. The choices that we make now in this life determine significantly the next life. But the reality is that eternity uh, is going to bring some of these things to light in such a way we realize that even in the midst of our pain, you were being so good to us. We never could have seen it, but we'll see it. God is good to Israel all the time. That's all you are capable of being. So for this semester, Lord, I don't understand why somehow I have the honor of being the speaker in this first chapel. But we would, uh, we would ask that on this campus, your presence uh, would be recognized. Uh, your presence would be cherished. 
we would come to the place in all of our hearts where we say relationship with you is the most important thing, more important than anything else. Make it so in our lives and on this campus. I pray your blessing now on these students, ones who are here, ones who are watching online. I thank you for each one. I thank you for the staff. Mold us together into a, even a more tight family than, uh, than we already are. Because the last part of the psalm says we want to tell the world about the wonderful things that you've done. So that the blessing that we experience spill over into other lives. We pray in your precious name, Lord Jesus.